week. We try to be here to educate you, challenge you, be open to your thoughts, and encourage you along your journey with intermittent fasting. You can check us out at FastingLane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at FastingLane. So the guy we have this week, I've been following for a while. I don't know how to say his last name because everybody just calls him Dr. Tro anyway, I believe. He is a, a board-certified internal medicine and obesity medicine physician. Dr. Tro, how do you say your last name? And thank you for joining me. It's it's just Dr. Tro, like Dr. Phil. There is no last name. Mm. You know, no, no, but it's Dr. Tro. It's Kalasian. It's Kalasian. But you could just call me Tro. Just Tro is fine. Kalasian. Okay. Yeah, do you people, got it. People mostly call you Dr. Tro. That's it. It's easy. That's what the that's what the marketing guys want. You know. Okay. Good. It's I'm funny. Glad my you're listening to them. No, no, my brother. You know what? I honestly, it's funny. When even when I worked in the hospital, we'd have like. The nurses there, you know, call me, you know, Dr. Kalasian, and then it became Dr. K. And I'm like, I, I would go to them and I would say, literally, we've been working together. How long? Like, just call me Tro. I'm like, okay, Dr. Tro. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> just Tro. Like, okay. So it became Dr. Tro happened in residency when despite me saying, just call me Tro, they would call me Dr. Tro. So that's how Dr. Oh. Tro came and happened. And then my brother's a brander. He's like, you know what? It's like, you just go with it, you know, Dr. Tro. So I agree because it's kind of fancy and kind of casual. So I think it fits you. Good. Thanks. You got nice it. to be here. Very happy to be here. Thank you so much. So guys, I'll tell you a little bit about like what people say about Dr. Tro and then I'll tell you my like just outward view of him. Okay. So Dr. Tro is uh, uniquely qualified. Here's all the fancy stuff. He's an obesity medicine physician. He has struggled with obesity himself. He has lost 150 pounds by throwing the standard low-fat rules out the window. Um, he knows that weight loss is about so much more than calories in, calories out. He works with patients at his weight loss clinic to address the emotional and hormonal challenges that can impede weight loss. One of the big issues I'm interested in discussing today, um, I'm friends with Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. We wrote a book together called Life in the Fasting Lane. And I asked Megan, yep, love it. Yep. who do I talk to about cortisol? And she's like, oh, Dr. Trump. So that's why I reached out to you. But I've been seeing you for a while. I'll tell you when I first saw you, okay? So I saw you on Twitter. Embarrassing. I'm eFair oh. Media on Twitter. And I saw you on Twitter. And my daughter is 13, you know, preteen, awkward stage. And we sometimes watch The Young and the Restless together. We're very, very educated and refined, right? We like to watch uh, soap operas together. And she always asked me, like, why do the guys not have shirts on? And so I, I made a joke to her and I said, well, they're allergic to shirts. So this became a big joke in the family. And then she saw your video where I think you were like 350 pounds. And then later on, you were like ripped. You had, you were with your child both times and you had this tight shirt on, which I really appreciate. And it looked like you had one of those Halloween costume bodies on, but I think it was your actual body. And she looked at the picture because you were ripped after losing all this weight. And she said, I wish he was allergic to shirts. <laughs> that was my Awkward. daughter's first Awkward. dirty joke. And I really appreciated it. So I never forgot you after that because I, you know, I hope it's okay to say this. I know you've been obese, but I've been fat. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if you ever consider that perhaps you got to even a weight where you might've felt like you were fat. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, let me tell you, even now, like at a lighter weight, you know, I don't think the, I, I think I'm always fat. 
quote unquote, and I, you know, we You're call not. it patience with obesity. I know, but you know, like even after you lose weight and I know you, you've, you've, you know, kind of been through this, when you lose weight, your brain doesn't stop thinking the way it did. You know, like when I'm, you know, traversing a narrow corner, I still turn my body as if it had 150 pounds more, right? When I'm at the gym and I, yeah, I have a six pack and I'm doing my crazy workouts and somebody makes a fat joke, I still react the same way. Like, you know, why are you doing that? That's terrible. You know, um, you know, the emotions, right? And the, the battles with the scale, every one of those I still feel. Um, so I think I'm, you know, I can, I call it an obesity parolee and, uh, I call him, you know, I'm an obesity parolee so far. They've let me go. Uh, and you know, so far so good. But Dr. Tro, I, I think you've been on this journey of your, for yourself about six years now. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So I, yep. Six years. Yes. So you went from 350 pounds, you lost about 150 pounds, you got ripped, have a six pack. I've, I've, I've never seen anything. I've never seen a one pack, but on me, but I, I, I don't know, like I'm only two and a half years into this and I try to get in front of the mirror. I went from 300 pounds to 185. I say between 185 and 195, which I like to say for a lot of women is their starting point, right? Meanwhile, right. I look in the mirror and I put on t a tight dress and I'm like, I am a goddess. Like, I am a tiny, petite, svelte goddess. And yeah. I, I feel like if I was ripped like you, I would be, I, I would think I was a god. I, I, I can't believe you still, you still don't see that. That's interesting. No, I look, the, uh, the, the mental stuff, it, it stays with me, you know, it really stays with me. And not that I struggle with it, but I acknowledge it, you know, when, I, when I'm on the treadmill and I hear that somebody cracking a fat joke, you know, first I think about, are they talking about me? And then I think about that is freaking terrible, whoever they're talking about. Right. I mean, I remember yeah. actually, you know, being on the gym, you know, just to tell you what it's like, the, the mindset is completely different. You know, um, the relationship, you know, the relationships with food over a lifetime, they don't change right away. I notice it now. I pay attention to it. It's different. I have a different response. I kind of watch it like TV. But um, and I and I just acknowledge its presence. I don't still think I'm fat. I, I logically acknowledge that I look different in the mirror. But all of those struggles, they don't go away. And interestingly here for the last three years, I've been weight stable or four years. I mean, six years ago, I started on this journey. Imagine, you know, when you're really just starting that weight loss journey and you see the scale move down, you're really like, you, you use those weight loss benchmarks as, as a achievement, right? But then you get to a point where that doesn't happen anymore, right? And so how do you qualify your achievements? You know, how do you, how do you, so the mindset has to change and it will change. It does change. It takes time. But, you know, let me tell you, I think this is one of the most underappreciated parts of obesity management and weight loss management is how does this brain think? How does this brain work? You know, what is driving hunger? What is driving eating? What is driving the emotions? What is driving stress? How does stress and emotions and mental health interplay with appetite? I think a lot of these questions, if you look at fasting, you know, you can see it right away. Take somebody who has you know, activities planned all day, has their fasting aids all planned out and mapped out, low stress environment, they're going to do great. 
take that same person, say it's me, have my three kids yell at me, have my you know wife pissed at me, my office manager upset, all my patients like, what's going on? Why are you late? Or this or that. And fasting now just became an incredibly torturous uh, uh, process. Or you know what? Like, how about fasting when you're busy, right? Versus like when you're staring at your kid's breakfast, right? Or when you're on a cruise, right? When you're on a cruise ship. So now it became a whole different story. You may be able to fast every single day during your work week. And then that same week you're on a cruise boat, supposed to be a great time. Try fasting then with the all-you-can-eat bacon and egg buffets, right? And all-you-can-eat steak and crab and shrimp. It's a different story. And when you pay attention to how the interplay of your mind, your emotions, your feelings, your hormones affect your appetite, I think you really start to appreciate the lifelong journey that health and weight loss is. It's not a, you know, you got a six pack now and everything's great. It's not the case. You know, I still struggle to this day. Yes, I'm really awesome at fasting now and eating low carb now and, and managing my appetite now. But I'm, you know, like I'm an obesity parolee. I believe that 100%. So I watched a video of yours the other day and it was taught, I think it was right after you went on the cruise and I liked how you were like, listen, I can't ever be in a situation where I, I need to, I basically need to eat a gift, uh, eat enough to get my money's worth. And I feel the same way. When I was large, I used to freaking love buffets because I like to save money. I like to get my money's worth and I, I can't do it anymore because I'm just so ticked off that when I get full, I know to stop. And I could really get like $50 more money's worth if I go to like a meat place like Fogo de Chao, which I love, and I could eat it all. It just pisses me off. And, and one thing that struck me about your video was that, because I feel the same way. The other thing I really liked is I, I went to binge eating rehab six or seven years ago, and it was tremendously helpful for me to learn less negative self-talk and less hatred. And that kind of set the mental health up for me later to you know, once I understood how to lower carbs and lower carb addiction and all that kind of came together for me finally. But like, I couldn't figure out which part of me is broken. Is it my body? Is it my mind? Is it something I can overcome? And I loved how you spoke so clearly about your feelings of that. Because here we are during a time where my family's been staying at home a lot in quarantine and we have a lot more stress than usual. And, and I've gained weight, I've fallen into old habits, and I'd love to be like, oh, I'm an I'm a author of a fasting book. I lost weight and I never had to worry about it again. But here you are six years in, talking honestly about your addictions to food, which is how I feel. It's my drug of choice, absolutely. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I don't think I've heard, I think Dr. Evelyn Boudoir-Roy does a great job of talking about food addiction. I, I also just really like the way you do it so personally. So can you, can you tell us a bit more about that and your, your cruise and financial eating decisions? <laughs> yeah, so, so the video you're talking about, it's funny. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting little uh, thought experiment that I show people. You know, I went on a cruise uh, six years after going low carb, losing a ton of weight. And during the cruise, um, I kept low carb. That's not a problem for me. I can keep low carb. But really what I learned and one of the teaching points I learned from and, and I try to make from the story is I really paid attention to how my mind buys, finds ways to legitimize eating more or you know, uh, eating food in general, right? So I can fast 
you know, one meal a day if I want every day of the week. And it's not hard for me. I can do that right now. But I was on a cruise and, you know, it wasn't always like that. Just, you know, to give you a standpoint, when I started, I couldn't not eat my coworkers chocolate, right? I would look at the chocolate in the cupboard and be like, how do you keep it there for six months? Like, are you yes. even alive? What is wrong with you? Right? Yes. Like, and, and I would literally go and eat it, you know, um, and hide my tracks. I would finish boxes of ice cream. I would, and I still could, right? Uh, so that's, that's the kind of, you know, I would be able to eat pizza and wonder why three hours later, why am I eating cold pizza and it tastes better? I just ate a pie of pizza and now I'm eating cold pizza and it tastes better. Or you go to a Chinese food buffet, we're talking about buffets, and you're like ridiculously full. And then three hours later, you're eating again, maybe some leftovers or, and it like tastes better. What is going on that you can be full and be really full? And then all of a sudden it's like, that's gone. And now you're hungry again and eating again. And you'd never, by the right mind of you, eat cold Chinese food. Like if it was presented to you at a restaurant, why does cold Chinese food taste better three hours later? Why does the cold pizza taste better three hours later? Right? So, you ha so I started asking myself these questions six years ago. And I'm going to come back to that cruise, you know, uh, talking a little bit. So I started asking myself these questions. And this is the first step of any great weight loss patient is they're asking themselves, why am I eating? Okay. And now I'll explain to you why after Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you start picking leftovers two or three hours later when you were stuffed just a second ago and falling asleep and in a coma. And now you're eating leftovers and now the pie comes out and you're eating all over again. There's a reason why that happens. And it has to do with glycemia and energy availability, right? As your blood sugar's up, you're fine. You're great initially the first hour. And then when your blood sugar starts coming back down, okay, due to high insulin, right? And the blood sugar is going down, your brain's going to be on fire for food. Okay, we know this. We've hooked up people to functional MRIs. We've dropped their sugar just 20 points and we see those addiction areas, those reward areas light up for food. Okay, all it takes is a minor fluctuation of blood sugar to do that. Okay, so why is it that three hours after pizza you want more? Because the blood sugar is going up, releasing a ton of insulin, then it's coming back down. Insulin and lowering of blood sugar is a recipe for hunger. Okay, it's a recipe for hunger. So once you start asking yourself, why am I hungry, right? And you start going to seeking the right, you know, seeking those answers out, you'll get there. It's in the medical literature. It's quite hard to get there because it's not clearly explained. They don't even think food addiction is a real phenomenon, right? They call it binge eating. They should call it food addiction. Okay. So when you start looking at what's driving appetite, all right, that's the number one first place you have to start. Why am I eating? Okay, because, you know, could be glycemic, could be hormonal, it could be cortisol, making you insulin resistant, you talked about stress hormone cortisol, driving your sugar up. And then what happens after a couple hours when that stress is gone, that sugar comes back down? Right? What happens then? You're hungry for food. You're not hungry for food when you're yelling at somebody screaming in a fighting match. Right? You're hungry three, two hours later. Right. When you're when that bear is chasing you and your your stress hormones are up, right? Your blood sugar is going up, right? You're not thinking about food. Right? Now when the stress hormones start to calm down and the blood sugar starts to calm down, when that blood sugar is because you're the 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 way cortisol raises your blood sugar is through insulin resistance. It makes you insulin resistant. 
It literally pumps out sugar from your liver. You're not hungry during the fight or flight. You're hungry right when it's over, right as, as that cortisol is coming back down, the adrenaline's coming back down. And when that bear is done chasing you out in the woods and you've, you know, you've flighted away, right? And when you come to a clearing in the woods and you see berries and fish and honey and whatever you find, do you want to be hungry to eat all that? Of course you do. So you want the resolution of stress hormones and a falling blood sugar to drive you to eat, right? But as an obese patient, right, you may not want that patient with obesity, right? As somebody who's trying to lose weight, you don't want that, but you have to be aware of its existence, right? That these blood sugar fluctuations in relation to insulin, in relation to cortisol, they're going to drive you to eat. Okay, and you'll, exp you'll appreciate that right away on a blood sugar monitor, okay, on a, on a continuous glucose monitor. And so that's going to drive you to eat. Of course, when the, when the animal runs away from the bear and it comes to a, uh, and its blood sugar is now calming back down, right, and it sees a bunch of food, what does it want to do, right? It wants to eat. So you have to understand what is it and why that you're hungry. Why am I hungry? Right, that's the first question you have to start with. So, um, and the next part you have to do is you have to understand that the brain can logic its way and, and I call it emotion its way into eating anything, okay? If you tell yourself, I'm gonna go on a vegan diet or whole food plant-based diet, I can tell you how to gain weight on it. I've done it, okay? You take Ezekiel bread, you put some nut butter on it, you put some maple syrup on it, you throw some bananas in there and you eat it. it. Tastes awesome. I can get you to gain weight that way, right? Most people lose weight on a whole food plant-based diet, but I can help you gain weight. I can tell you how to gain weight. If you're going low carb, right? Well, how can you overcompensate the power of going low carb? Right? You can do it. Add fat, eat more frequently, just like I did on that cruise video that you, that you talked about. So normally, so going back now, segueing to that cruise, right? You know, the brain can find a way to legitimize getting more reward. It's programmed to do that, right? If you had food in front of a pet and you put a food in front of it and it didn't eat, you'd be like, what's wrong with this dog? It's not eating, right? So you have to understand the impulse, the brain, the brain chemistry. It's going to drive food intake, all right? You have to respect that process. And once you do, you start to see how it does that right? How it can use logic to get you to eat more. How it can use emotions to get you to eat more. When I was 350 pounds, the 350 pound doctor looking to lose weight, my beautiful wife, my amazing wife would tell me, maybe you don't want to eat that. And I'd be like, leave me alone. I'd be agitated. I'd be upset. Like, why are you telling me that? I'm like, okay, I'm okay. Right? I want to lose weight. I'm a 350 pound doctor. If somebody tells you to eat less, you should be like, Yes, of course I want to eat. I'm going to put that donut down right now, right? But the brain doesn't think that way, right? Why is that? It's something is captivating your emotions, using it against your better judgment, right? Now we're, thinking, now we're talking about food addiction, right? When, when uh, I go, went on that cruise, okay, I usually eat one meal a day. All of a sudden I get on that cruise and my mind's thinking, you deserve it. You deserve to eat more. Just, eat, just have another meal. You're just going to be eating bacon and eggs. There's no big deal. It's low carb, right? And my brain's saying, you deserve it. It's vacation. You're, it's going to be too hard to resist. And all of those things are true. The logic is right, right? But that doesn't mean it necessarily is helping me achieve my goals. 
So you have to respect that impulse, the drive, the brain's ability to get that reward, even six years in, 10 years in. One of our health coaches, Brian Wiley, has kept 100 pounds off for 11 years. Ask him about you know, being an obesity parolee. He'll tell you, my brain is what I just, I, I don't expect it to change. I just learn how to deal with it, right? I learn how to manage it. I learn, I know now what to do, right? So on that cruise ship, you know, I was there convincing myself to eat more. And I ate two meals a day there. And at the end of it, I, I had gained, I don't know, two or three pounds. It came off within a week. It wasn't real weight, right? But I did eat a little bit more, right? but I was more active and, you know, who knows, whatever. But I just marveled at my brain's ability to figure out a way to eat more. And that's, that's food addiction. So, Dr. Tro, can you teach me a little bit? Because I really know nothing about cortisol. I don't understand what it is. I've heard some of the effects you've explained here. I have a theory from my complete lack of education that during this time, uh, let's say the past three months, where we're dealing with the pandemic and we're dealing with social unrest, no matter what a person's opinion on it is, I think that we can agree that most people have had an increased and consistent increase in stress. Uh, our kids, a lot of our kids are at home more, or our partners at home more, or our work has ended or changed. And so I think everybody's dealing with more stress. Yep. And when I talk to friends, I hear people have gained five to 15 pounds during the past three months has been the average I've been talking to of people online. I think I have gained about 10 pounds. I have had less ability to fast. I've had less ability to stick to my eating plan. Um, I've gotten it together the last couple of weeks, but I feel ashamed, right? Like I'm supposed to be this person who talks honestly about that. And I've gained 10 pounds right after my best-selling fasting book came out, which just goes to show how this is a never ending battle. But I felt like I had really figured out how to use headspace and deal with stress and journal and get mental health uh, therapists and now we're in this new world where I, I, I kind of suck and I um, see people's carts, you know, online where they shopped and they've brought home muffins and they've brought home bread and they've brought home all these things to give them comfort and stress. And let me be honest, the first week I did that too. And then I felt like crud and was like, okay, I, I just, I can't do that. But how, what is cortisol? And during this time where we're having unprecedented levels of stress that may last a bit longer, how, how can people react? All right, I'm gonna tell you, I'll, I'll get into the science in a little bit. I mean, but let me tell you, you know, a little personal story. I had surgery three months ago for maybe well, coming on, yeah, three months ago. Um, and I gained 17 pounds in three days from surgery. 17 pounds in three days, okay? So when you cut the body, go into the body, go into the spine, you're gonna release a massive cortisol response, okay? Cortisol is a hormone released by adrenal glands in response to stress, okay? Whether it's physical, emotional, or whatever. It will do a number of things, okay? Cortisol's main goal is to basically uh, mobilize energy, mobilize sugar. Okay. And when the sugar goes high in the body, also insulin tends to go high. Okay. So it literally causes insulin resistance, but it's with a purpose. Okay. 
that stress, the cortisol has a purpose, all right? It's to make energy available in your blood, okay? It's to make energy available in your blood. So when you're undergoing surgery, you want cortisol because you want your body to mobilize energy and have it be available to you, okay? Cortisol also decreases, right, inflammation. So in a response to something, in a response to a stress or a trigger, it wants to mobilize energy and, and just calm the inflammation down until it resolves, okay? So if you have, for example, like a massive infection, let's say COVID, okay, you're having septic shock from COVID, you want a lot of cortisol, okay? You want to be able to mount a response. If a bear is chasing you, okay, you want to be able to have that cortisol bring sugar into your bloodstream so you can run the hell out of there. Okay, what we don't like is the metabolic effects of that cortisol. Well, and there's two things. Okay, your blood sugar goes through the roof. You become temporarily insulin resistant, meaning insulin doesn't work as well because now your body's making sugar everywhere. Okay, independent of, of insulin and in, in the face of insulin. Okay, and so, and it leads to weight gain and water retention. All right. So we don't like the outcomes of stress, right? Uh, we don't like the outcomes of that cortisol because it doesn't look good on the scale, right? So after I had surgery, they pumped me full of fluid, right? Of course, when I stepped on the scale two, three, four days later, I was up I don't know, 13 to 17 pounds fluctuating in between there. And then what happens, right? The inflammation starts to subside. They had me on steroids too, which increased cortisol even more. So... But what happened? Of course, my body eventually normalized. That weight came off within a week. I was fasting, lowering inflammation. You know, that comes off. So I think, you know, um, physiologically in terms of, you know, and here's the problem. Well, people are like, well, I just want to get my cortisol tested. Well, it's not that simple. The adrenal gland and the amount it produces, it fluctuates depending on the day and depending on the response, right? So it's not as easy as like just testing it out. Now, on top of that, when is cortisol released? It's released when you're stressed out, right? So well, we're stressed out all the time. Right. And, if you're stressed. and it's not helping me outrun a bear. I just need to stay home, wear a mask, wash my hands, and watch Netflix. Like, there it's not helping yep. me with that. Yep. But so what does that stress do, right? What does that stress do in the brain? So now the brain, the brain is seeing fluctuating blood sugar and blood sugar going up and down. And that's a signal for the brain to eat. I'll tell you that. That's one thing we've learned. With the, we have over 500 patients on continuous glucose monitors. That blood sugar fluctuates whatever the cause. Whether it's a bear chasing you, you're stressed out, you know, anxiety causing blood sugar fluctuations, exercise causing blood sugar fluctuations, right? Or hyperpalatable, high-carb food causing blood sugar fluctuations. What happens in the end result is you're more hungry. Okay, so we definitely believe, and, and David Ludwig even showed this not too long ago within the past month. He showed if you eat high carb, you have a relative decrease in energy one hour after eating. Okay, total body energy. So, so what does cortisol do? It mobilizes your blood sugar. Okay, what does stress do? It mobilizes cortisol. But what else happens in stress? Okay, it's blood flow literally goes away from the part of your brain that says you're, you're fasting. And it goes to the part that says, your kids are eating breakfast, you're on a cruise, go eat. 
You know, it says like, you know, don't worry about it right now. Just stock up, right? It says when it goes away from the, from the central planner, it's going to the innate part of the brain, which is always going to say eat more, right? Unless the wires are really crossed and there's some sort of eating disorder, you know, for the major, overwhelming majority, right? What would you expect? That when you put food in front of your animal, when you put your food in front of an animal, a pet, a dog, right? What happened? They're going to eat it. Okay, they're going to yeah, eat it. Yeah, and also, Dr. Tro, I used to go to an office. And, and I really liked it because the office kept the snacks that were available in drawers. So they weren't in front of my face. And that was really helpful to me. Now I'm at home. I can control what's here. So I have mostly healthy, low-carb foods. But it's always there. I know where it is. I have access to it. Um, I'm not as busy because I'm working from home. I don't have, like, I, I, it's just, if this, if cortisol causes this and stress causes this, how are we going to come out of this situation, however long it lasts, without all having not gained 100 pounds? I really well, don't understand. You, so so you, you just described a defense. So let's, one is identify the problem. Stress is going to drive you to eat. Being in front of food is going to drive you to eat. Okay, so what are tools we learn with fasting, right? You wrote about it in your book. We use fasting tools to help us fast, right? Water, coffee, tea, seltzer, right? Get out of that environment, right? If I take you, if I take you on a three-hour hike, are you going to, like normally when you'd be snacking on, you know, your low-carb chips or whatever it is, right? Would you rush back to the home and say, I got to eat? No, you'd be like, I don't care. You know, somebody's watching my kid. I'm fine. I'm hiking. Right, I'm walking outside. So you're leveraging distraction or you're leveraging volume or you're leveraging time when you have to sip on a coffee or sip on tea, right? Just a little bit of time, right? And so everything we learn with fasting can be used to uh, address intermittent cravings, right? All the tools, but it's some tool, right? You have to employ some defense against your appetite right? You're hungry. You're, you're going to be hungry. You're stressed out. You're, of course, you're going to seek out food. It's good food is available to you. It's in front of you. Of course, you're going to want it. We should not expect, right? Like if we could all just flip a switch and be like, I'm not hungry anymore. We would all flip that switch, right? Nobody, you cannot control your appetite. It is like a wild animal. Sometimes you could tame it. Sometimes you got to give into it. So how do you tame it? right? You use a fasting aid. You use a defense, right? For some people, it's easy. For my wife, she doesn't have any appetite issues. She just says, I don't need it. You know, I don't have that no. mental, you know, exactly. Okay. For me, my it's water, like coffee, tea, too. seltzer. Gross. Yeah, exactly. For me, oh, it's water, gross. coffee, tea, seltzer. For me, it's get out of the kitchen. For me, it's go do something else, you know? Um, so it's, it really is, why am I hungry? So you understand, it's not a moral weakness that you're hungry. It's, it's an expected result of stress and being around food. It means you're alive. When I talk to so many friends and so many people online who just feel like absolute losers right now, right? Like just feel like absolute crap. Here we are in this, this stressful time. And I think a lot of us have recognized and have heard, like if we were to eat better and we were to eat less often, it would really go a long way in, in helping us to get healthier during this time. And it's juxtaposed with this really high stress that is making it more difficult than I think we've had it before. And so I think a lot of people just feel like crap about themselves because they're gaining weight and they can't do it. And I will say, I'm, I'm okay at fasting, but this is definitely the hardest time I've had since I started two and a half years ago. 
And I hate to admit it, but it is. And then I've realized that it seems like everybody kind of feels that way. Yeah, look, we have 500 people on remote scales that we track, and this is a universal problem. You know, when people come to me and tell me, how much weight should I be losing, right? Everybody wants to come in losing weight. I tell them, well, it matters what time of year it is, okay? Well, they're like, what do you mean? Well, like, if it's the summer months, you can lose weight real quick, yeah. right? If you stay put, if every year you've gained two pounds or three pounds or five pounds for the holidays, right? If you just stay put in the months of December and January, that is amazing, right? Because then you'll go on to lose weight, right? So sometimes not losing is winning, right? And it matters what, like, what, why is it? Why are the holidays hard? What makes the holidays any different? It's not like vitamin D or, you know, the sun or whatever. I don't think that that's the case in my opinion. We're just around people, happy or sad or stressed out from family, around food more, around good food more, holiday parties, more meals, right? So of course, hungry animal is going to eat more. Stressed out animal is going to eat more. In front of more food, you're going to eat more, right? So eat Dr. Tro, what you're saying yeah. right now is like, maybe cut yourself some slack. Maybe the things you're experiencing is what a lot of people are experiencing. Use Absolutely. the things that help you and like, don't do try to best. be a hero and do lose 50 pounds best. right now, perhaps. Right. Look, do your best. Manage expectations. Yeah. Understand what's leading you to eat and just do your best. It's a zero-sum game. Okay? It's a meaning yeah. like at the end of the day, you're going to eat. So make sure it's eating on your terms. And then when you can, eat less through fasting, you know, through fasting. So that's, and, and as far as cortisol testing, I know you said that's not always the answer. I mean, like, if I was to, I don't, I'm just learning about this from you. I really know nothing about it until this, this podcast. And so if I were to test my cortisol now and, and the world became a more peaceful place in three months, is it legitimate to think that it would have a very different result in a few months? Yeah. Very simple things can raise and decrease, uh, you know, cortisol walking in nature, for example, has been shown to decrease cortisol more than just walking right? So uh, there's so many different things. It's like, it's a, you know, it's, it's a finicky uh, hormone. It's a finicky hormone. There are ways to test if it's truly out of range. You know, there are medical tests we can do to see if it's truly out of range, or we can even stimulate it, try to, you know, give it a little, uh, stimulate the adrenal gland and see how much comes back. And that there's stimulation tests, for example, that um, let us know, you know, kind of what is going on with the um with the adrenal gland and if it's producing an inappropriate amount of the hormone but for the most part i think when when people say you know cortisol is causing me to gain weight well of course after my surgery it caused me to gain weight but i think what most people mean to say is i'm stressed out my stress hormones are flare, flaring up and everything that comes along with it is making it hard for me and you know what it's going to be hard just stick to what works stick to what got you there Stick to the things that you know help you and understand that, yeah, have some slack. You're an, uh, an animal who's alive. Of course, under stress, you know, once that stress is done or resolving or it's chronic, you're going to be hungry. So don't try to lose, you know, 100 pounds and don't, don't tie your, you know, your moral happiness to a scale. You know, yeah. if I tied my moral happiness to my scale after surgery, well, I gained 17 pounds in three days right? Am I a failure? No, it's just an expected result of the inputs that it's receiving. So don't worry, just stick to low carb, 
do your best with fasting. And when life settles down, you'll get back to being at work and fasting is easy, right? You're not going to be sitting in front of the cello chips, you know, or the cheese wisps like all day long anymore, you know? So it'll, it'll be, it'll be easier. You just do your best. That's it. Right. That's another thing I've learned about, you know, being the mind of obesity, right? We all want to see the scale go down and down and down and down. Right. But sometimes not, not going up or going up a little bit, right? Because what would have happened three years ago? What would have happened to you? I'd 50 pounds by now. Yeah, exactly. So For have you sure. won or lost? Have you won or lost? You were winning, That's right? True. You're winning. I like that. Dr. Tro, you said exactly what I think everybody needed to hear right now. So we can just like stop feeling so bad, do the best that we can, stay a little more careful about taking care of ourselves. Where can people, where are you? based out of I, I i don't actually know where you're at and how can people i know you said you have these 500 remote skills like how could they work with you yes yeah, so our office here so i'm board as you mentioned i'm board certified in internal and obesity medicine and uh we have uh temporary licenses in about i don't know like 35 states we have full medical licenses in new york new jersey connecticut um texas uh, and we are, we've uh, imminently expecting them from Maine, Pennsylvania, and uh, Massachusetts. So if you're in one of those states, you can become our patient right away. As I said, you can become our patient in about 35 states because of the COVID relaxing of the telemedicine laws. And nice. we practice uh, medicine a little bit differently. You know, we become very invested in in tracking and making sure we can support people. And right now, for example, um, you know, with, the, with so many patients needing stress release and, and community and support right now, we've offered like weekly support groups and we're getting hundreds of people come every week, you know, going through the same thing and getting support to get back on track and on track and keep the weight gain at a, at a minimum and, and just try to kind of stay put and, and, refocus course because losing confidence when during a stressful event like this is is it can be even worse so we try to just keep the confidence high you're doing fine you're doing great just stick to the things that got you here when life settles down you'll go back to losing weight um and so you can find me uh, you know on my website or social media it's all dr tro d-o-c-t-o-r-t-r-o.com uh or social media just dr tro spelled out and uh, you can literally, you know, go on our website and text us and my office manager or one of our health coaches will just start talking with you and kind of helping you get back on track. And yeah, we, we, we have a big group coaching, um, you know, uh, group that's, that's, that's been great. We're doing this weekly group coaching. And then if you need, you know, help with insulin and blood pressure medications, diabetes medications, if you want to get your hormones tested, those are all things we can do, you know, through the medical program. Dr. Tro, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. You made me feel a lot better. And I think you're going to make a lot of other people feel a lot better too. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for being at the Life and the Fasting Lane podcast. You can get more tips on fasting and low carb at fastinglane.com. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. And until next time, to your health and happiness.